This week, we find our internal Return of the Jedi and Jurassic Park at Redwoods National Park and a whole lot more. This is RV Miles. This summer, L.L. Bean wants to help you feel great out there with gear, tips, and advice for heading outdoors and exploring all the possibilities of the season. When you're putting together your camping and hiking gear, here's a quick hack to help you prepare for emergencies. Wrap a piece of duct tape around your water bottle. You'll barely notice it's there, but if a piece of gear breaks or gets a tear on the trail, you can pull off your tape to make a quick patch or repair. It's a mini repair kit you'll be glad to have. For more fun ideas, easy how-tos, and inspiring stories, visit llbean.com guide. Welcome to episode number 277 of RV Miles. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time RVers who, along with our three boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, have been crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip since 2016. Here at RV Miles, we talk all things RV and outdoors, from industry news to travel destinations, our national parks, and a whole lot more. We're finally in the state of Washington. We've crossed off another state, our final Pacific Northwest state on our map and uh gosh it's gorgeous oh my goodness it is not disappointing we are in the most amazing location i cannot wait to talk about it but we are doing what i think has become our favorite thing to do since moving into vaxi and that is boondocking of course i think that we are happier and we just thrive when we're boondocking. We do. We do. I mean, if you're watching this, look at what we have behind us. I mean, for the audio, it's a river. We're, you can probably hear it. We're boondocking right on a river, uh, a river bank where uh, clearly there has been some erosion with the high waters over the last few months. So all day long uh, on the bank across from us, rocks keep falling, the little mini rock falls. It's the entertainment here. So it's, we'll be out working. We're like, oh, there's another one. And we're all, we're waiting for like what might be a bigger one. But that's the entertainment here on the riverbank. But we're very excited this week to talk to you about Redwoods National Park and that surrounding area, Crescent City. Uh, we had a great time in Northern California. And uh, we're going to share all the details of all the places we went and the wonderful things that we got to do while we were there in the second section of the show. But first, we want to talk a little bit about the annual uh, camping report from KOA. I think they call it the Camping and Hospitality Report. And this is sort of the big survey every year. It's really the only major one that gives a lot of insight into what's going on in camping out there. And the headline is, is very similar to what the headline has been the last few years, is that more people are camping, right? Yes. <laughs> we There's lots of talk about, you know, the economy and the difficulty in uh, being able to purchase vehicles, the high cost of RVs. None of that is deterring camping. A lot of people bought RVs in the last few years. The reports of those people returning them <laughs> and selling them off were highly exaggerated. Uh, people are traveling and camping. Even in a downturning economy, is something that people consider to be more affordable than a traditional vacation, especially if you already own an RV or other camping equipment. You can control the cost a little bit better, right? You can uh, decide what food you're going to take along instead of going out to restaurants. You stay at a hotel, 
you're you're going to every single meal at a restaurant, right? Although if you're an Epperson, you are going to a lot of restaurants. <laughs> we we do, but but you know, so, I mean, like think of that when you go to a hotel, though, you gotta have your breakfast, your lunch, yes. and your dinner. Oh, well, somewhere. Just- those few days that yeah. Henry and I have to go up to Chicago yeah. and we're staying in a hotel and even if we have like a little mini fridge in there, it is a struggle to not let the budget just blow up while he and I are there because we do, we have to eat out. Even if we go to, let's say, a grocery store and we're going to pick up things, we're still picking up convenience items, which are more expensive than if I was making, say, you know, muffins at home or whatever, because we don't have anything to cook with. So absolutely. And that's not to say that RVing is affordable. Uh, it can no, be. You can I, you can control the cost better, but is it super I, affordable? Not necessarily. I think when we get into the section on Redwoods and we talk about how many times we went to the brewery, that might not make the case for why RVing is affordable. But the argument can be made that, that uh, campgrounds are rivaling the cost of hotels, but have you priced a hotel room these days? <laughs> Yeah. It's all it's all gone up, of course. Uh, and uh, I, in general, there's plenty of data to support this over the last many decades. When times are a little bit tougher financially, uh, camping does well. RV sales might do not do well, but camping, but camping does. does well. So let's dive into some of these key findings and their fast facts. Fast facts. So a couple of fast facts that let's talk about money and let's talk about what RVers spend. So campers spent in 2022 $52 billion in the local communities they visited. So this is another reason why I think camping is so important. And I think it's so vital that communities start to understand that because we do come into these communities, we do come into these smaller communities, and we want to go and we want to visit and see what you have to offer. We want to go to the small shops. We want to go to the local restaurants. We want to see the attractions that make your community unique. And I think that that is reflected in the fact that $52 billion was spent in communities across North America in 2022 by our viewers. That said, On top of that, it was 58 million households, according to this report that went camping in 2022. That's wild. An enormous number. Yeah, and it's an increase of of a substantial amount over last year as well. And uh, the report details how a lot more people winter camped uh, this year for the first time. Lots of stuff going on that is dramatically increasing the number of people out there. So if you were wondering... If, oh, people are going to stop going to all the campgrounds and they're going to start coming back down in price and availability is going to get better. Sorry to say, not so much. No, absolutely (laughs) not. And in fact, I think we're going to see an increase in some of the offerings in and around campgrounds and at campgrounds because one of the things they list in here is that RVers and campers in general are hungry for new experiences, and that is fueling the outdoor hospitality industry. So we want to do things beyond being just at the campground. Being at the campground is fantastic. It's a it can be a really lovely experience and certainly we have talked recently about campgrounds that we have gone to where we haven't wanted to leave. So I think that there is this element of offering things at the campground to help kind of increase the experience that you're there, but then also in and around the community of that campground 
especially if there are plenty of outdoor activities to be had, you're, I think you are going to start to see more outdoor hospitality industry take note and get in and around those areas and create experiences for well, us. I, I love when like local municipalities too decide that they want to uh, support campers and use camping as a way to get people into an area. For instance, I think of that that great campground we stayed at in River Falls, Wisconsin, just outside of the Twin Cities. It was $15 a night for electric and water, and you had the ability to visit Minneapolis-St. Paul, but you wouldn't have probably stayed in River Falls, Wisconsin otherwise. Listen, I wouldn't and, because they did Bacon Fest. Well, you wouldn't have okay. known about Bacon it necessarily. Fest. Bacon Fest was wonderful. Bacon Fest was happening while we were there. It was amazing. But I, I, there are lots of examples of this outside of Oklahoma City, too, along I-40. There are several towns that are maybe like a half hour out or so that offer very affordable city park camping because they want you to stay there while you visit Oklahoma City. I think the mid-sized cities have gotten really smart. They're very good at about this. this. Yeah. Yeah. I think the smaller cities and then obviously our large urban environments haven't quite caught on yet. And if the price of hotels continues to go the way it's going, I mean, that hotel when I needed Henry and I to be right near the hospital because of how it was scheduled for us, yeah. $480 a night. We don't uh, spend that an entire week of camping. I usually, mean, okay. Usually. Usually. <laughs> Depends on where we're going. But we try to offset that when we do. But that was for one night. Yeah. One night of a hotel in the Chicago area. So I think that these mid-sized cities are just, they've they've figured out this secret sauce and that secret sauce is RVers and yeah. campers and what we want, you know, how we want to experience places when we come into them. And they're just, they're really smart about getting us there and then making sure we have places we want to come back to. Yeah. And look, listen, we've talked about this many, many times. There are as many different ways and reasons that people RV or camp as there are people that stay in hotel rooms, there are traveling nurses, there are people that are just wanting to get away from everything and be out in nature with no internet, no cell signal, anything. There are people that travel the country like we do, I think mainly to sightsee so that we can go see all the different things, whether that's nature or a city or whatever. So there are lots of different reasons people travel and the campground industry and other ancillary industries are getting wise to this. You see the Love's Truck Stops adding RV sites, for instance. There are lots of different ways that this is just going to continue to grow, whether the RV industry grows or not. So we will link to this report if you would like to look at it in the show notes for this episode. You just go to rvmiles.com slash 277 and you can check it out for yourself. It's huge. I think it's 52 pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot, a, lot, of, a lot of stuff. lot to digest. Yeah. All right. So we need to move on and we are continuing our partnership with recreation.gov to share with you some of the highlights of using the site. And one of the things that we want to focus on today, actually something that's new and exclusive to the recreation.gov app. So if you don't have that app yet, I think this is going to be the thing that really tips it for you and you're going to want to get it. And this is their new scan and pay system. Now, 
when we first started looking into this and talking about this, there was one thing that we hit on and we're going to get to that we stopped and we said, and that's it. That's the thing right there. So, but first let's talk about what is scan and pay. So the idea is that you can take your phone at, and you arrive at a first come first serve campsite that might be a entire first come first serve campground, or it might be a park that uh, has reservations, but just has sites available. And they will have a, a kiosk at the front when you enter that's got, you know, the information board and there's a QR code. And all you do is you take the recreation.gov app and you scan that QR code and you can pay right there for that campsite, which is super great if you don't have the uh, foresight to have booked that campsite in <laughs> yeah. advance or if you don't have cash with you, which we never have. This spot we're sitting at, it, it's like a paid boondocking sort of thing where you pay five bucks a night for. We had no cash, so we had to get some cash. We are the worst <laughs> at carrying cash. Someone asked me the other day if I just wanted to write them a check, and I looked at them like they were speaking a foreign language. I was like, I haven't carried a check on me since 2019. Yeah, I don't like I I don't even know. Can you even could I even go to the bank and ask for some checks? I I don't know. Do you speaking of checks? I got to go off for just a second. We're going to go back to this. Do you remember? Did you ever go and use those check services where you could pick out a design for your checks. I did once. Yeah. Oh, see, maybe this was just a me thing. But when I got my first bank account and I could do checks, I thought I... Oh my gosh. I don't even remember checks by mail, checks and checks into cash. Who even knows what it is? I don't remember what it was called. But you could go and it could be any design. You could get Disney, floral, nature. Yeah. I, and I would sit there and I would pour over them and I'd be like, this is going to speak to so much of the, yes. who I there, am as a they're person. They're literally selling you an upsell on a way to access your own money. Yes. But <laughs> okay. back to Scan of Hay. <laughs> That's gone now. You do not get to like write a check that talks about who well, you are as a human being. So many, so many public campgrounds now are getting rid of the fee boxes that you drop, uh, uh, yeah, you like drop cash or a the... check into. <laughs> yes. Uh, th- so those are going away. They call used to call them the Iron Rangers. Um, there, there are <laughs> yeah. very few few of those, and there's a lot of campgrounds out there, especially the first come first serve type. That don't have a a sort of office that you can go pay at. So what you can do with scan and pay, go up and scan that QR code and pay. And the brilliant thing, the thing that really tipped the scale for us, it was like, okay, this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Is that it works without cell service. Yeah. So you've probably this whole time been saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have to have cell service to yeah. do this. No, absolutely not. So you're going to arrive at that campsite. You're going to go and pick out your spot. And the first thing you want to do is you want to go ahead and get your equipment put out. Okay, that's really important. So get to your spot. Unhook that RV, put out that tent, whatever it is that you need to do to claim that spot. And then once you do that, then you want to scan that QR code with or without service. If you have no service, you are still able to pay for that site through the recreation.gov app, through the scan and pay. And what it does is it puts it into a pending status where it shows that you have it, it shows that you are reserved. And then once you get somewhere that has service, it's automatically going to go through and process that for you. So that to me is so brilliant. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you can just then show the proof to a ranger if they ask to see it. And this isn't available at every first come first surf campground yet in in the system, but they're rolling it out more and more, so you'll find it more and more. Uh, but it's just such an easy, smart way to do it. The one thing, though, that you need to know, you don't even have to have an account on recreation.gov in order to make it work. You don't have to have one set up. It's smart to have one set up. But the one thing that you do need to have remembered before you arrive at a campground that accepts this is to have the app downloaded on your phone. Yes. Costs you nothing. So just pull your phone out right now, even if you're not camping for months from now. Pull your phone out right now and download the recreation well, yeah, app. Yeah, because then you can go through and start saving all of yeah, the campgrounds all the go. that you want to go to. So Scan and Pay is here. We absolutely recommend that you check it out. We will put a link to recreation.gov as well as the recreation.gov app in our show notes at rvmiles.com slash 277. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Redwoods National and State Parks. It's a weird thing. Talk about it in a minute. Be right back. <laughs> Be right back. RV Miles is sponsored by RVMattress.com by Brooklyn Bedding. Abby, the kids, and I have been using their mattresses in our last two RVs, and we couldn't be happier. We're sleeping better, and we were able to customize them to fit our exact needs. Our kids' odd-sized bunks in the new trailer? No problem at all. RVMattress.com offers a 120-night sleep trial along with a 10-year warranty. Plus, their products are toxin-free and incredibly simple to set up. We've had them shipped to campgrounds from their factory in Arizona, and you just unroll them and let them expand. RVMattress.com offers free shipping and is offering the RV Miles community 25% off when you visit RVMattress.com slash RVMiles and use the code RVMiles at checkout. That's RVMattress.com slash RVMiles for 25% off with the code RVMiles, all one word. RV Miles is sponsored by the RoadPass Pro suite of travel apps for RVers. We love using all the apps in the RoadPass suite to plan our travels. Togo RV, Road Trippers, OvernightRVParking.com, and Campendium. You get premium access to all of them for $49.99 a year. Find the best campgrounds, the best boondocking sites, the best roadside attractions, and the best routes to get to them all in your RV, tailored for the length and height to get you there safely. Use the code RVMILES10X to get $10 off your RoadPass Pro membership at RoadPass. Com. All right, we are back and we're here to talk about Redwood National and State Parks and the whole area up there in Northwestern California. The The National Park Service, long story short, National Park Service and the state of California made a cooperation agreement many years ago to operate the Redwood National Park and the various state parks in the area of the Redwoods together because there are lots of different sort of pieces to it it's not a sort of one contiguous area there are, there are chunks all over the place and a lot of those were individual california state parks and then the national park service had its own land so they thought it would be just best to put them all together into a single <laughs> spot i don't know i don't know why california just doesn't transfer the land to the national park service and we just call it a national park but it's redwood national and state parks and i have to say i think that this will go down as one of our families favorite yes. national and state parks. They're big old trees. They're but really big. It's <laughs> Okay, episode's over. That's all you need to know. Thanks for listening. Bye, everybody. <laughs> no, there's so much more to it, though. And so let's dive in, though, by discussing 
where we stayed. And so we stayed up in the north end of the park in the Crescent City, California area at the Ramblin' Redwoods Campground and RV Park. And we got Starlink here. We lucked out. We were able to get Starlink at this park just off of the site that we were at. It had just enough of an opening. So there will always be a little discussion about Starlink probably going forward in campgrounds that we stay at because we know that a lot of people are very curious about how this is working on the road. There were many sites here that it wouldn't work and we were in one where it did work. Yeah, I was going to say this is a hit and miss park. (laughs) So don't come here anticipating that it is going to work. We just happened to get a section of the park that had an open clearing and we were able to get some service there. A little bit of cell signal, not much otherwise. Not much. You're not. It's interesting because you're really not that far from town, and yet still we weren't really able to get anything off of Verizon. So the price point for this campground is anywhere between $47 to $76 a night for RVs. They did have some tent sites there as well. We were in one of the smaller full hookup sites because obviously Bexy is only 25 feet, but the campground itself was a really great home base. This is what I like uh, about a campground. Oh, okay. When you just... It's just a campground. Mm-hmm. Like they put in a trail. Uh, it's by a, there's like a little creek. There's a small playground. There's a small laundry. There's a bathhouse. It's you're not paying a lot of money for like a pool and pickleball courts and all that sort of so stuff. So basically, everything nice. we just talked about in the A block sure, is not here. <laughs> that can be nice, but like this, this was. I mean, it could have easily been a state mark campground. Oh, for sure. It was just a sort of nice place to camp in the woods. We had a beautiful view behind our site of trees and and it was just lovely. Yeah, we had a very nice big site. We were able to put out the gazelle as well, set up a nice working area. Good campfires. Oh, great campfires. The kids, they ran around. They had such a lovely time. It was a really great campground for exploring the Redwoods. And it was also really close to proximity to Crescent City, California. Mm -hmm. And before we dive into everything about the parks, let's just go ahead and admit how many times we went to Sequest Brewery while we were in Crescent City. Let's just go ahead and get it out there because we know we're eventually going to end up talking about this place. you went four times, right? How many days were we there? (laughs) Seven days. And I went... I was there four. I was there three times. (laughs) Because you went with some mobs. We actually, we also, while we were here, uh, we met up with a, a few other families, a, a few other full-time families on the road and did some hikes with them. And uh, uh, Abby and some of the other mothers had a mother's night sort of thing. Mom's and and the kids got to play uh, with some new friends and stuff. And uh, uh, we actually traveled to the next campground with a few of those people as well. We still are traveling with Jamie and Clay, of course, too. But we sort of had a big... Right over a there. big enclave of, of full-time families at this campground sort yes. of but it just sort of kind of happened that way but it did and before <laughs> you are like wow y'all why did you go to that brewery so many times uh obviously first I went it was good it was so good it was good it was so good but obviously I went for a mom's hike out and then uh we took the kids because Henry has been asking for months now for cheese curds he loves cheese curds curds. and we have never been anywhere where cheese curds were possible since being in the midwest because a lot of places that sell cheese curds is not cheese curds it's Mm -hmm. just 
fried mozzarella. It's like mini mozzarella sticks. You Actual put, cheese curds has to be like fresh, fresh. The minute you put any type of Italian seasoning, <laughs> it's not a, it is not cheese curd anymore. So, it's not a cheese curd. So he wanted that. He will not. And you're like, well, why doesn't he just eat mozzarella sticks? He won't. He won't. He won't. The only mozzarella sticks he's going to eat are from Applebee's. Okay. It's weird. That's where we're at with this kid. But of course, California is a big dairy producing state. So he's been able to get cheese curds now. Uh, and on up into Oregon, we went, we went to Tillamook uh, and he got some real good cheese got curds. Got some real cheese curds there. Uh, but then also you and I had a business we meeting. Had a, we had a couple <laughs> of drinks for business. And then uh, on a way back from a Saturday day in the park. Yes. Of course, we stopped there for dinner as well with uh, our friends. So we highly recommend it. You don't have to go four times to get the full experience. You can only go once. But they have a really great selection of beers. But they also had a really great selection of cider for my gluten-free friends out there. I highly recommend the Blurberry. Uh, but just one, it's I think the alcohol content on it was like almost 11. So uh, it's got a little bit of a kick to it. It's delicious. Uh, so that's where we recommend if you want to grab something to eat while you're in the area. And it's in the town of Crescent City itself. It's a decent sized town. There's, you know, all the fast food restaurants and stuff like that. But there's not a lot of sort of unique restaurants. And this is the one we found that we really like. Yeah, I do believe there's another brewery like in yeah. the city as well. We did not check that one out because we were just very content with the one that we had <laughs> found. <laughs> but what's also really great about this brewery is not far from it is this really gorgeous lighthouse and this is called battery point lighthouse and you can there's parking lot you can go into you can take this trail that's going to as long as the tide has not come in you you can get to it the first time i went when i went on mom's hike out we were able to cross and get over to the lighthouse and enjoy a sunset up there it is stunning it is overwhelmingly beautiful, very much what you think about when you think about the coast of the Pacific Northwest. If you're just all, everything aligns just right, you might even be able to see some whales from this point. But the second time we tried to go there and I tried to take you, we couldn't get to it Mm -hmm. because the tide tide had come in. So it's really just going to depend on whether or not what's going on that day, whether or not you could get there. Uh, But I highly recommend heading over there after or before you go to the brewery. Yeah, and also right by Seaquake and the Lighthouse is one of the visitor centers for Redwood National State Parks. It's actually the park headquarters. Uh, it's very small visitor center, just a little bookstore. But if you want to go in and get information, I highly suggest you do since everything is sort of spread out again. Um, it's it's a good way to find out, you know, road conditions and stuff like that. There are lots of the places we're going to talk about here are roads that you want to know the condition of. And uh, you can go and talk to Ranger about that sort of stuff. Get your Junior Ranger badge, get your park sticker, get your stamps and everything right there. Might be a good little afternoon spent going to those three places in preparation for visiting the rest of the park. And if we haven't mentioned this before, it's a really good idea to also download the National Park Service app. I used this a lot at this particular park. I've used it a lot recently as we've been traveling just to kind of get an idea of like where we want to go. And they've really been working hard on that app. It was kind of not the best several years ago. Yeah, they it's, completely relaunched it, I think, yes. about a year ago now. And it's it's really easy to use. It's got all the information that you're going to want about exploring that park. It will go ahead and even tell you what's around you as soon as you open it up. I highly recommend if you plan on hitting up a park 
that you're going to want to go ahead and have that with you too. Okay, let's talk about sort of the first things we did in Redwoods National and State Parks. Yeah, so a scenic drive. You know, y'all, we love a scenic drive. We cannot recommend the Howland Hill Road Drive enough. So this is located inside Jedediah Smith State Park. We did talk to a ranger about this one because it says no RVs, no large vehicles. And so we wanted to check and make sure that trucks were okay, especially dualies. We got the go ahead from the park ranger that that was fine. It's going to take you about an hour if you don't stop to do this road. It's very bumpy. The lanes get very narrow. It's dirt. It's dirt. And it's it's through big, big old trees. And you can, (laughs) there are places where you can reach your hand out and just, just gently touch and it is giant as you go. There on. are some tight squeezes. Vans would be fine. Uh, I, I worry a little bit about height. We have, you know, this bike rack that raises our bikes over our truck bed. There, you know, we're we're sort of like uh, ten feet tall with the bikes on. We didn't have the bikes on. If we did, I would have been a little bit worried about some places where the the trees sort of lean into the road. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And there are uh, pull-offs along the route. So if you find yourself meeting up with somebody, most of the time one of you is able to move over so that the other person can pass through. This is a wonderful drive. And it's one of those drives, too, where you can go all the way through it and come out on the other end without having to sort of backtrack the whole thing. It's not technically a loop. You come out on a different road somewhere. And also along this drive are several trails and a couple of the trails that that we did in the park. And, and I I just just want to be super clear here too. That the fact that this is the Jedediah uh, Smith State Park, there's nothing better about the National Park Service part of it, right? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't want people to think like the national park part is better than the state park parts. They're just all sort of the same. They're the same. And that's never actually the case anywhere. Uh, we have we put the status on national parks that many state parks live up to. But this it is all the same stuff. But th- this was sort of a great introduction to the giant redwood trees. Absolutely. And of course, the whole time we're in there, the kids are, oh, we're on the moon to the door. Yeah, and it's so, so it's Return of the Jedi. And specifically just, in Jedediah Smith is where yes, some of Return of the Jedi yes. was filmed. It's so cool. So on this drive, you absolutely have to stop and do the Grove of Titans hike. It's very easy hike. It's not super long. There's some uphills and There's stairs uphills and stuff and like that. Stairs, absolutely. But there is just a section of this hike. Where you get to go through a tree. And it's not like, uh, I'll put a video clip on it, uh, on the video version of this podcast, but it, it, it's not like one of those, if you're thinking about like one of those cutout trees uh, that you that you drive through that you'll find down at like Sequoia National Park. This is like a tree like laid over on its side that makes yeah. a big tunnel. It's, it, you, it made you feel so small. It did. And. Our kids sometimes aren't the most enthusiastic hikers. And I will say that there wasn't a hike that we went on in Redwoods that they didn't love. Yeah. They just ate all of this up. It is visually some of the most beautiful scenery you will ever see. 
And it's just, it's constantly changing. And we were really fortunate to have gorgeous weather while we were there. And everything was starting to bloom. And it's just, oh, it, to see the kids love this park as much as they did and to watch them be enthusiastic about going, especially Jack, who is in a, in a phase right now where it's, he wants to be at home a lot, talking to his friends online and, and doing his own thing. And, and we want to give him the space to do that. And so to see him so excited about going into the park and hiking, I just, I will never forget this week there. It was, I think, one of the best weeks we've had as a family in a national park in a yeah, while. It was it was quite wonderful. And it really was. On top of that, we also got to have some time away from our families, which was nice. Um, we both went on the same hike, but separately. Yes. You, you went with the ladies and I went with the men. And, <laughs> uh, and we did that on sort of different days. Yeah. So this hike is also on the Howland Hill Road. Yeah. And this is called, we both hiked Fern Falls via the Boy Scout Tree Trail. And I think the total on this hike was about six miles. It's an out and back. It was six and a half on my yeah. watch. So um, yeah. it is, again, we went in the morning, uh, very early in the morning, and then you all went later in the day. So we did a morning hike. You did a sunset hike. I, that hike, just being out there in the quiet with my fellow hikers and just taking it all in was, again, top level, like hike for it, me. It was, it was so quiet. That's, and that's so interesting quiet. that you say that it was quiet was the, was the thing I got out of it too. I mean, you hear birds and, and the the wind and the water and that that's really it and i like when you fall into a rhythm with people that you're hiking with and you have these like moments where you're all talking and it's very natural and you're having these lively conversations and then it's okay when silence sets yeah. in and you all just kind of quietly hike and you don't feel weird about that or you don't feel like oh i should say yeah. something because you are you are yeah. talking with everything that's around you it's that sort of woods quiet it's it's yeah. different than than cool. any sort of like being out uh in like broad open spaces the woods sort of insulate the world around you and make it yeah. make it uh, just this sort of dead quiet so you hear every little thing lots of banana slugs on this hike oh i didn't see any oh really no, oh no. my gosh then they must just really like the morning yeah. because there were a well, lot of so that's a, a, a cool point, too, is that if you go in the morning or the late afternoon, you went in the morning, I went in the late afternoon and, you know, tre the trees, the big trees uh, in the deep forest, they uh, uh, especially here in the Pacific Northwest, they uh, they put off a lot of, of of gases. Right. And that makes sort of a bit of a haze in the mm -hmm. in the air. So when the sun is kind of at an angle a bit you you get these beautiful shafts of light oh. through the trees it's incredible it is just otherworldly i it is indoor it's indoor i mean it's just you know it's i just was waiting for a little ewok to come popping out and just share my snack with it yeah. like it was, it was so fantastic so those are two hikes that we recommend there are several others on this yeah. road and uh, the, and those the, are the two the drive did. itself if you're not a hiker the drive itself gives you this gives you most of 
the same sort of feeling. Uh, you just don't get sort of that, you know, silence way out because there are other people and stuff. There are, there is a, at least one bathhouse on the trail pit toilet. Uh, we stopped and had a dinner with everybody by that area as well. And uh, it was just a blast both times that we yeah. went there. This is in, uh, also we should mention, fairly close to Crescent City. So this is not too far if you're at the campground. These, this location is not a far drive from the, the campground. We did take a further drive south into the park and do, uh, again, a hike that will go down in the books for the Epperson family. And that was Fern Canyon. This is an incredibly popular hike. So just know that anytime between May 1st and September 30th, you do need to have a reservation to park in order to hike Fern Canyon uh, because the parking lot is very small and to get to it is really uh, an adventure in itself. This is kind of another scenic drive. Uh, it's, it's a decent drive, maybe a half hour from the highway back to the Fern Canyon area. You are, again, on a one lane, for the most part, dirt road through some redwood trees, and it's gorgeous. And we saw a herd of elk uh, on the way in just before we got to the trees, and we saw more elk when we got more to the shore. But this is this is on the shore of, of the ocean, and there is a beach area where you can go see the ocean, not like super sandy beach. This isn't that kind of like play-in-the-water type beach necessarily. It's more more sort of look at rocky it. look at it uh it's beautiful. And, and dogs are allowed in in the beach area they're not in fern canyon itself as they aren't in most national park service trails unfortunately um but the this drive was a little bit more it there, it was there were some cars on this road that we were like, are you sure there are fewer this is a good idea eases through trees but there are more uh Lots of fording through water. <laughs> so much fun. So Jason did the drive in, and then I said, hand me the keys. I'm doing this drive out. And then, much like I like to do when we get on roads like this, I found every mud puddle, every bit of water I could just take Fordo through and put that put that off-road into action. And I, I made sure that truck left filthy. It was... And so at much one fun. point, you literally do ford through sort of a creek. Uh, you're 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 pretty at least when we were there, when the water was high enough. I mean, it was it was midway up the tires easily, and there were there were some sedans going through this thing. That there I was a Toyota Corolla. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was a Corolla that we passed that had already gone through the creek. This was they were coming into the parking lot, and I just wanted to be like. Can you open your doors for me? I just, are you, is it wet? I mean, we're talking bumper in the water. It is, yes, bumper in the water for our friends who have their dually trucks in front of us. When they went through, coming up out of the creek, their bumper and tailgate was in the water. Yeah. So it's deep. Yeah. And I couldn't believe there were some of the cars that went through. And they I don't think they knew. There, we had no indication. No, nobody tells nobody you. Knows. Nobody, nobody tells, tells you. you. But there it is. And I'm sure depending on the time of year, it's it's not like that. Yeah. And obviously there's been a lot of rain recently. So there's just water everywhere. So we, we get to the parking area and it's a, there's a great picnic area. There's bathhouses. Mm-hmm. Bathhouses. There's pit there's toilets. Pit toilet. And, and so we... 
we then embark on this short hike as a just short hike over to the canyon itself. And then you can hike through Fern Canyon. So Fern Canyon, it's mainly known as where they filmed Jurassic Park 2, <laughs> The Lost World. Uh, but it is a uh, it, it is sort of a creek bed with big walls, big steep cliff walls that are covered in ferns. And it's just a lot of lush green. But if you want to do this, you are hiking through a river and there is no wow. avoiding putting your feet in water. Uh, excuse me. This girl avoided well, it in her shoes that she wore you, that were not. You did it with lots of help. <laughs> I did. You were the only one on the trail that had shoes that couldn't get wet. I don't know what I was <laughs> thinking that I wore my trail runners and not. My Tevas. Yeah, like, so that, it, I don't know. I was wearing my bean boots, which worked out great. Uh, the they kids were all wearing Keens. So you either want to wear boots that can get wet. And I'm not talking like waterproof hiking shoes. I mean, that would probably be yeah. okay. Waterproof hiking uh, shoes would be fine. I think Jamie had hers on and she was I, Well, I guess my point being is that it, like the sh like shorter shoes... The water is, there's a good chance the water is going to go over the top of them and your feet are going to be wet anyway. If you have hiking boots that are waterproof, that would probably work, which is what I think I had and what Jamie had. Yeah. And I, uh, or you want to wear sandals and just get your feet wet. It's just fun. Oh, yeah. you get to uh, climb over trees that have fallen and find paths to get through the water. And the whole time you have this gorgeous canyon on either side of you where water is dripping down and it's lush and it's green. And for whatever reason, the entire time we were in it, you and the kids sang the Indiana Jones theme song. I felt very Indiana Jones-ish. Nobody, nobody was like, do, do, do. No, I did, I did a little bit of that too. It was literally, da, 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 da. Like, it was, it was amazing. And the kids had a blast. And again, we had all ages here. This was an all skate for all the families. And it was little three-year-olds trekking through all the way up to the big adults. Oh, it's great for like the little kids being Ugh. able to like, you know, walk across a, a tree going across a river. You know, there, it's it's very low stakes because it's it's, low it's, stakes. it's it's very shallow. This is not something that they're and it's not high off the ground. They're not going to get hurt. The only thing that's going to happen to them if they fall is they're going to get wet. So to see like lit, real little ones walk across that you know the feeling for them is like oh. walking across like a a, a giant yeah. valley across a tree i think henry had some spider-man moments that <laughs> yeah. he was really yeah. excited about and I mean, even for us i mean i was scaling and crawling up and over just like all this fallen trees and branches and there's just this huge section of it and i just went up and over all that and even i felt like a little kid again like just just exploring this area and getting to connect with it like that that was such a great day so if you are going to go during the reservation period do try to get a reservation so mm -hmm. that you can do this hike it's wonderful uh you can couple it too with another location that we went to and that's the lady bird johnson grove trail this is really simple, a really nice, chill hike. Great to go to after Fern Canyon. It's a small parking lot as well. I suspect this is the theme for all of these places that you're going to go to is small parking lots. Um, we really enjoyed that. We did that after Fern Canyon. And then we also bounced over to the Prairie Creek yeah, Visitor the, the Center. Yeah, the Lady Bird Johnson Trail was, it was 
it was beautiful. There are uh, bears in the area. We didn't get to see one. Uh, it, it is a lot of newer growth forest. There are some older big mm -hmm. trees, but that trail in particular compared to the other redwoods ones we did was a lot more new growth. So if you don't have a lot of time in this area, I definitely recommend the other part of the park at Jedediah Smith mm -hmm. over this, but it was still gorgeous. And that visitor center was a nice one to visit. Yeah. And the hike was great for the fact that it's a loop trail. I think it was like 1.1, maybe 1.5 miles. Yeah. And I felt really comfortable just letting the kids go off on their own to walk and talk and take in the scenery. And, you know, all the families that were together, this was, again, another really lovely thing about hiking, I think, with those who really enjoy hiking or who have done a lot of hiking, because we were all really comfortable just kind of splitting off into little factions and and hiking quietly and just kind of doing our own thing and then coming back together and going to the visitor center and all of that. So uh, the week at the Redwoods was just really something that our family will remember. And I would love to return because there are so it's a great hiking park. Yeah. There are so many hikes. Still hikes and scenic drives are our jam and Always. that we, we got both of them here. We did. All right, so that's our visit to the Redwoods National and State Parks just before we cross the border into Oregon. We're wow. going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to check the level of our tanks. All right, we'll be right back. Chances are you've seen them on the road. That's because Blue Ox designs and manufactures the best towing products in the industry. Just look around. You'll find them on highways and campgrounds and anywhere you find people traveling in the great outdoors. Award-winning tow bars, base plates, and brakes. A full line of weight-distributing hitches. Adjustable ball mounts and a new line of fifth-wheel hitches. With Blue Ox, towing doesn't have to be a drag. To learn more about how Blue Ox can make your travel adventures even more stress-free, visit blueox.com. Have you heard of Park Wolf? It's a game-changing iPhone app for exploring U.S. national parks. Park Wolf's Wildlife Finder makes finding any wildlife species super easy. Park Wolf gives you heat maps and charts of the best places and times in the park to find any species. Park Wolf's free drive GPS Explorer makes exploring the park a breeze by showing upcoming places in the park as you drive, along with distances to the nearest gas station, restrooms, food, and pullover points. You can download Park Wolf for iPhone from the App Store today and start making the most of your national park visit. Welcome back. It is time to check the level of our tanks, sponsored by Matt's RV Reviews Liquefied RV Toilet Treatment, the no BS toilet chemical treatment that really works. You can check it out along with all of our recommendations in our Amazon store at amazon.com slash shop slash RV miles. Jason, what is in your black tank this week? My black tank is myself for <gasps> not knowing where we're camping. <laughs> So <laughs> yesterday, I, I went, we were going to go to uh, Ruby Beach, which is a uh, we're near Olympic National Park right now. And Ruby Beach is part of the park. And it's a, a beautiful site oh. along the, the coast. And we're going to be thrilled to talk about it in the future. But before we went, it's about 15 miles from where we're camping. I decided to go get fuel. And we're about 20 minutes either direction from fuel. And I, I headed out, went and got fuel. Everything is right along the 101. So, you know, it all made sense and was easy in my head. So I didn't have any sort of GPS directions put in. And then on my way back here to the campground, 
I you know, I thought I would recognize where the entrance is. It's not really campground. It's a road to boondocking. And I didn't. And there is a name for this place that I could have looked up. Uh, and Clay had texted us the, the, the GPS coordinates, and I could have looked that up. But I didn't do that while I had cell service. <laughs> and I didn't have cell service on the way back here. I had the Garmin, but I couldn't put it in the Garmin because I wasn't able to pull it up to put it into the Garmin. I guess sort of last last ditch, I could have looked at the text and typed the coordinates into the Garmin and it would have gotten me here since the Garmin runs off satellite. But I, I, I missed the turn. I thought I would very easily recognize the turn and I didn't notice it until many miles down the road. I'm starting to see sites that I saw when we first came to the to this spot and realized that I was, I was way away from where I needed to be. <laughs> Just turned around and came back and, and ended up finding it on, on my second pass past it. But I, I, you know, there's, there's something about when you travel as much as we do, sometimes you get a little too comfortable and it just, you, you let your guard down a little bit and, and don't, do the things that you would do if you were sort of vacationing or whatever. And and I would have been a lot smarter of me to have a, a GPS pin drop for this place, to at least know what the heck it was called. Uh, <laughs> Knowing the name Jason might have <laughs> really might have helped you out a little made, bit. <laughs> made a few made a few better choices about knowing where we're camping so that I could have that done. I mean, there's so many times we're in a campground and I don't even remember the name of it. And you know, if there's an emergency. I, we've talked about this in the mm -hmm. past, like to put the information sheet for the campground on your fridge or have a whiteboard to write where you are in emergency information on it. And uh, we, have, I have gotten a little lax about that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I think I want to get better about that, especially as we start heading up towards Alaska and we're in more places that are less familiar and more remote. Well, that's so funny you mentioned that because it was you having this experience that uh, in the cart for Amazon is a whiteboard that <laughs> is magnetic that's going to go on our fridge and we're going to start putting the information there. But I do think that some of the disconnect happens too when you aren't the planner. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not very good about communicating the next stops. So I think that that's a really important lesson for both of us is that even if one of us is the planner, we need to make sure that we're discussing upcoming mm -hmm. with everyone. Look, this is what we have booked. Because... We're doing a thing, too, that's new for us, and that is booking way out in advance. Yeah. Because even I forget. Like, we had this decided back in, I think, March or April. And so there's been yeah. so much life that has been booking, lived since booking then. Booking in advance, but also planning uh, non-booked stops, lots of boondocking stuff, yeah. but knowing where that's booked. Yeah. I We're just, yeah. we are great at planning in the short term, we are we are garbage about it. We, this is this this whole trip is a it's a it's very different for us. It's a first for us. We just never know where we're going thus far in advance, yeah. and or and, to be like we're going from Baja to Alaska, or like the dates. What like, a, that's a commitment. Sometimes you know we <laughs> we often will kind of have an idea, but it's not on a certain time schedule, and we just sort of yeah lollygag to where we're going and we're so traveling good. with another family and having a plan in place 
and it's it's very different and there's some there's been some you know we've learned a, a lot of really good things about ourselves because yeah. we're very good at, at lollygagging yeah so <laughs> all right what is in your fresh tank this week my fresh tank is being able to pump my own fuel again and this goes this goes on this this same uh the same trip when i went to get fuel it's sort of i so you know in oregon you you don't pump your own fuel they pump it for you just like in baja so in baja we they pumped your fuel for you then we got into california and i was like oh i can pump my own fuel again and then we get back to or then we get to oregon and i'm like oh they have to pump it for me again i guess that's going away though that i think a bill was passed that they're actually removing that uh, and you will be able to pump your own gas in oregon again but if you don't know right now in oregon you pull up to the gas station and somebody pumps it for you so I go to my first gas station in the state of Washington, which was this one the other uh, the other day when I got sort of lost. Um, so I stop at this fuel station and the car in front of me, there's still somebody sitting in the driver's seat and someone else is pumping the fuel. It happened to be the passenger that was pumping the fuel. But instantly in my head, it just triggered that, oh, I'm going to wait here for them to pump my gas. Did you sit and wait? I sat for about five minutes before I was like, wait a minute. Did you say five I minutes? sat for about five minutes waiting for somebody to come pump my gas before I realized that the, <laughs> another car near me, a guy got out and pumped his, and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're not in Oregon anymore. We're in Washington, and I can pump my own fuel. I mean, it really looked like a gas station attendant was pumping that person's fuel in front of me. Oh, Jason. I love so, you. My fresh tank, being able to pump my own fuel again. Although there's something nice about having somebody else pump it for you i really know that in mexico but then you then you want to tip them and all that and then there's the whole not carrying cash thing and you're like if you don't have cash and you want to tip somebody then you feel really bad well i think no i just i don't i don't like the chit chat i don't want to chit chat i don't i don't want to chit chat yeah getting the gas yeah i I, usually they're so busy that they don't chit chat they're just like go around to the different cars but the last one we were at that guy was you went inside and that guy was just talking and talking and talking. I did. I was like, oh, I think we need something. It's like when you go to a <laughs> when you go to a salon and they want to talk or an Uber driver that wants to talk. I, that is not me. I No, just, I don't I don't do that. Do the thing. Yeah, Let's I just go. I'm okay with the silence. The silence is good sometimes. All right. What's in your black tank this week? I have no black tank. This nothing week. nothing negative. Nothing. It's a positive week for you. On a river bank in Washington. My family is healthy. My life is wonderful. There are a lot of things I could probably black tank. But in this moment right now, I just think sometimes it's nice to just be able to say, I don't know. I got, I got, yeah, life is good. I need a sticker for that. What is is in your fresh tank this week? What's Uh, the positive? So what's the positive? So I want to recommend a cookbook that I actually have here in the rig that I use on a pretty regular basis for all of my friends out there that are trying to stay away from gluten and dairy. and, And even if you're not prescribing to paleo, but I know for a lot of us, we fall into that category when we're trying to stay away from those two things. It's from an author. I've probably talked about her before in the past, or at least I know on uh, our stories on Instagram, I have Danielle Walker. Uh, she has a new cookbook out that came out earlier this year called Healthy in a Hurry. And it is the first time I feel like she has put out a cookbook. And I think this is her fourth one that I actually feel like is accessible. This The thing that overwhelms me about paleo or gluten and dairy free eating is that it often seems to be like you need five 
thousand ingredients because we're all trying to recreate the taste of something. And in order to wow. recreate that yeah. taste, you know, you need a million different yeah. seasonings. And I have I have fallen into that trap many times of going out and buying. I mean, we have a lot of seasonings and we have a lot of alternative flowers and mixtures in our tiny little pantry. Um, this cookbook, though, is really great. And it has a lot of actually accessible recipes for camping, I feel. She's got some great sheet pan, one pot, instant pot meals that are in there that I think could really uh, relate, translate well to RVing. So I will put that in the fresh tank section of our Amazon store. You can go and take a look at it for yourself if you're wanting some inspiration. That goes right along with the video that I was watching this morning about like sort of how to design your your sort of perfect life, what you want. And it, a lot of it was sort of about just making one step. What is the smallest thing that you can do mm -hmm. today to to reach your goal? Instead of like saying, okay, I've got to go, I'm going to go cut this, 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 and this out of my diet. I'm going to do all these things to replace it. Okay, well, if I want to be dairy free, maybe I just don't have dairy today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the first thing I can do, or just for this meal. And then you see how it makes you feel and that, and that makes you want to go completely dairy free if that's the thing yeah. that you're doing or whatever. Just start with the little thing. I often say to myself, because I fall off all the time and I say, but you know what? Today is today and I'm, I'm not going to think about the fact that maybe I uh, indulged in gluten yesterday. I'm just going to think about today and I'm going to think about this one meal and what I can do to uh, be good to my body today. All right, that's it for this week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. Yes, it is. So thank you so much for joining us for episode 277 of the show. If you have any questions for Jason and I, of course, you can find us over in the RV Miles Facebook group. Just go over to rvmiles.com slash 277. We'll have a link in there. We would love to chat with you. Until next week, thank you so much for joining us. Stay healthy, stay safe out there on the road, and keep logging those RV Miles. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.